0: Love, talk, radio. Hello, this is Robbie Motter, the host of Diva Strategies for Success, where every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, I bring you a dynamic guest. And I am very excited because today we have a wonderful guest. Her name is Dale Staunton, and she is the author of The Hooker's Daughter. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about her. She has an incredible background. She is, while raising her young family, Dale obtained her RN degree and practiced psychiatric nursing. She parlayed her medical and extensive sales experience to become the CEO of her destination management company, which for 20 years organized conventions, corporate events, and meetings for local, national, and international guests Dale conducted numerous educational seminars and assisted in developing a tourism college degree program. She serves on the North Shore Board of Juvenile Scholarship Aid, volunteered as a big sister, and is an active member of Power of Women, National Association of Women on the Rise, and the Arizona Humanities Consortium for the Arts. A lifelong learner, she studied studies Kabbalah and Torah and shares her personal journey to encourage others to rise above their circumstances, no matter how difficult, using their inner strength to determine the course of their own lives. She resides in Boston and Phoenix with her husband, and today she is calling us from uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And her website is com. Welcome Dale to the show. I'm so happy to have you as a guest.
1: Well, thank you so much. And I'm delighted to be invited to your show. I'm looking for, I was looking forward to this
0: opportunity. Uh, tell me a little bit about your book and yourself. I mean, this is such a I mean, I I just seem that all you've accomplished and what you had to go through is just amazing to me. Well,
1: it is a memoir. It's all true. And uh, my mother was a prostitute. And, of course, as a child, I lived in Boston growing up. And uh, it was a well-known secret in the community. And uh, I write and talk about by the age of six, I was answering the doorbell for John's. And be, not only did my mother's business take place in our small apartment, but it was in various other towns in the environs of Boston. And there were other scams, the stolen car ring, uh, shoplifting, various other things that went on in the household. So that was a little bit about what I touch what I touch upon in the book in addition to In the 50s, my sister came out as a lesbian, and that was a very radioactive subject for those times, and she ran away and became homeless, and uh, we were estranged for many years, not because we didn't love each other, but because our paths took different roads. And so that was another thing. And then as I tried to bail out of my circumstances and went into my Young adulthood. I married, and then my husband became terminally ill, and uh, for six and a half years. And then, when he did pass away, I raised children as a single mom. And so, I think I've had a lot of life activities and events that were really very
0: challenging. I can say that. Uh, What was your relationship with your mother? Well, it was really a very complex one. It uh, my we.
1: It, and the boundaries were very fuzzy. My mother, she just really sacrificed us in many ways. I spent my whole life casting out my mother's negative influence and absorbing her brow-beating lessons, but to realize in the end that she gave me a gritty strength to fight my way through trouble and hardship. I loved her and hated her for who she was and for what she had done to and for our family. We laughed together, we survived together, and fought each other to exhaustion. And she, as I said, she callously sacrificed my sister and I in order to save herself. And she lied to me, stole from me, and then sang and danced with me as if nothing bad or perverse had transpired. So it was a very complex relationship, and yet in many ways... My mother was very nurturing, and she did the best she could. She was really a kind and sensitive person. She taught us also to be kind and not to shame others, despite that we might have felt shame. And she cared for her family, and I always believed in my heart that she saved us from poverty. She was a survivor, and I admired her spirit. And uh, she was a very charismatic person. She lived life to the fullest, and she tried to seize the
0: moment. Wow. In reading the book, you describe the turmoil in your family related to your sister. Tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Well, I was nine years old, and at that point in my life, she had been my rock, my mentor, my savior, take your pick, whatever. She played with me and looked after me and probably buffered a lot of what was going on in our environment. And when she came out... And she was her persona was very extreme, very masculine looking, and in those days they called it a D.A. haircut. And she wore bomber jackets, no makeup, jeans, whatever. And uh, it was pretty frightening just to see her appearance. Well, again, as I said earlier, it was a very radioactive subject for the 50s, and we didn't know anybody in our lives. It was not like today's society where they have. Uh, parades and marriages and children within the union so it was really a very uh, scary and sad time for me and uh, actually they didn't know what to do in those days and they sent her first she was put into a convent for a few days then the court sent her to a mental institute to be evaluated there and she certainly wasn't crazy but that's how they handled things that day and the person that harbored her was not a minor. She was just a minor at the time. She was 16. They sent her to jail for two and
0: a half years. Wow. What is she doing with her life in in today's world?
1: My sister? Mm
0: -hmm. Well, my sister has really
1: done remarkably well. She lived many years homeless and on the streets and scratching her way up, and I always like to compare it if you think of a chalkboard, scraping your nails down. it. it was a a difficult journey for her, And uh, eventually, she sort of got some education and did the best she could with the tools that she had. And eventually, after living a very difficult life, by the time she came to retire, she retired as the chief financial officer of a college in Boston. So you can see
0: the dramatic turnaround. Right. That is incredible. What motivated you to publish your memoir? Well, several
1: reasons. First of all, I'd like to say about it, it could have been a dark book, a mummy dearest, but instead of condemnation, I'd like to think of it as a story of love and forgiveness and triumph over one's demons. And I wrestled with a lot of questions to myself. What what should remain confidential and hidden? What should be revealed? And when do we allow others into our inner sanctums, and when do we not? But I realized secrets can be like infections, which if they're concealed, they they fester until they become monsters. So it were a lot of questions for me that touched upon issues of intimacy and trust and vulnerability and self-confidence and fear. But I made the decision to tell it like I remembered and not to pull any punches. And the the major motivation for me to really do it was that I had shielded my children from my history, because I didn't want them to suffer. Their own father had been dying for many years, and they they were going through their own difficult time. So when they were in their late teens, I decided it was the time to tell them, and that's when I decided to write it all down. And I don't think that I had ever planned to put it out there, but when people those close to me read the story, and my husband was extremely instrumental in my getting it beyond just giving it to my children. He felt, and as others said, this is too amazing of a story just to stick it away after you tell the children. So that was really the whole impetus of what went out.
0: Is there a message you want the readers to grasp from, from all this? Oh, most definitely.
1: I feel that... Uh, I have something to offer, and I'll tell a story that I like to speak about, and it has to deal with flaws and people overcoming their issues and problems. There's a parable, a story of a king. He had the perfect diamond, and he dropped it, and a crack developed the length of the stone, and the king summoned all the jewelers of the land, and they all came to the same conclusion. The diamond was useless, irredeemably flawed. Then out of nowhere, an old man came along and said, let me see if you give me a week if I can fix it. Well, he knew the crack couldn't be erased, but he carved petals on top of the diamond. Now the crack formed the stem of a blossom. The crack did not disappear, but it was transformed. And we, too, will never be perfect, but we can turn flaws into flowers. And my message is we all have flaws and wounds and deficiencies that are hard to admit. Our imperfections are a part of us, and to deny them is to hide from ourselves and from each other. And life is not about flawlessness, but about overcoming. And I feel that this message that I'm trying to get out there is that we can overcome our problems. It's like uh, to judge what was important. And uh, the, my, from my perspective, the miracle of the human spirit is paradoxically The more broken you are, the more whole you have the chance to become.
0: That's true. What was the most difficult part in pinning your memoir? The most difficult part was about,
1: (laughs) I I guess I'm I'm laughing because the honesty... once I started it, well, I started it and I'd put it away and i touch it for months. A year would go by. I'd been working on and off for a long time because I didn't ever believe that I was really going to bring it to the point that I have. And and let me add in this question that you're asking me, I've been so rewarded as a result of it because I have heard from people that I don't even know or barely know And I think my transparency has really allowed them to go into where maybe they have some pain. And I hear from people from all over, and it is such a gift that I had never anticipated.
0: Wow, that's great. Um, How did you personally survive such a horrendous childhood, and how did your childhood experience affect your adult life? well
1: uh, i I think that at some point, I realized that I had a cut psychological what I call the umbilical cord, and I like to think that I was well seasoned from lessons I learned as a child. I w- was somehow or another lucky that my DNA uh, maybe was good intrinsically, I was able to judge what was important, and I think of myself like the roots of my tree were strong. And uh, I somehow or another held myself very strictly. And going into adulthood, I sort of had a a, a plan of how, how to stay strong. A, uh, I often say, Christopher Robin said to Winnie the Pooh, you are braver than you believe and stronger than you seem and smarter than you think. And I, I think I held on to that, that um, I just needed to st- stay strong. So I think that as a child I realized that, that I was really on my own, all this devastation in and around me, and um, the uh, the travel, there's no path. The path must be forged as you walk. uh, So I felt that, you know, this is something that I have to do for myself because nobody was going to do it.
0: Uh, I, I remember reading um, something you sent me that said neighbor children were forbidden to play with you and even the Girl Scouts asked you to leave. How did that feel That's for correct. you? Well, I, here comes my
1: joke. I love to say that I still buy Girl Scout cookies <laughs> when they come to the door, but it was really very devastating. I'm going to pin my age approximately, let's say, for that a particular experience, about 10 years old, And I was a lovely little darling myself, and you don't expect to have those kind of things taking place, a a youngster. And, yes, many, some children could play with me, but I'm sure there were restrictions that I didn't know about, but many were actually not allowed to play with me, or if the family found out who we were and what was going on, they were then thereby the friendship was ended and uh, it was very uh, difficult. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm correct when I'm going to say this, but I do think it is really. In modern psychology, there's a term called psychological hypothermia, and it it really says when a child suffers abuse from a loved one, the child will go out of the body to separate from the experiences. The child can't tolerate not being loved by by someone hurting her and disassociates from the experience as if it did not happen. So I think that in many ways I probably built, even though I knew what was going on and I was very aware the boundaries were certainly uh, down, I think that in a certain sense I developed that attitude of keeping myself strong and going, and I always refer to it as putting blinders on.
0: How can readers learn more about your book?
1: Well, thank you for asking. They can go to my website, as you would kindly mention, www.thehookersdaughter.com, and if they choose to order it on there, they can also have a signed copy sent to them. And also it can be purchased through Infinity Publishing or Amazon, and for the tablet readers, Kindle, iTunes, it's also available on, on that form. And let me add, at the back of the book, uh, at the end, I, my email is on there, and I'd be delighted to hear from anybody that chooses to write me after they read it and share their impressions or have questions for me. And also, one other thing that I've been privileged to do, which was has been a new experience for me, I've done several book clubs now across the country, skyping with them, and I just think that is so cool uh, that I can. Have that experience. I just did one last week in New Jersey, and another, and another one in Philadelphia, and Florida, and on and on. So again, it's just. So been, what is your what
0: is your Skype address? Uh,
1: my Skype address. Let me ask my computer person. What is my Skype address, please? Uh, oh dear. Let's see. We can you check it out? Wait, my my computer person is here. All I know is. I think it is Dale Stanton. He's checking it right now for me. Okay, S T A N T E N. I think on your on your advert, it might have, you might have ended Stanton in an O-N, but it's E-N.
0: And it's Dale for the first name, right? That's
1: right, Dale.
0: And uh, I do
1: have an email on my website too, if anybody chooses to reach me that way.
0: Right, it's the hooker's com. Isn't that right?
1: the hooker's That's correct. And uh, um,
0: with such revelations in your book, did you have any trepidation about exposing your secrets?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was absolutely beside myself. I had a lot of anxiety after I had actually put it out there. I was, why did I do this? Uh, I why was I exposing myself? in this manner, because I had obviously gotten through into my adulthood, my later years, even though it followed me actually throughout my life. But it was a very afterwards I was really sorry. However, I did get over that, and particularly what helped me at first, oh, I had sleepless nights, all kinds of awful things happening to me, I. Uh, but when I began to hear from people, their comments and how much they appreciated it, that it, it helped turn around the situation for me, because I did have reg- absolutely had regrets at first. It felt like being naked, and uh, that's it wasn't a good feeling because I had always kept it within and uh, tried not to uh, put it out there.
0: Well, they say sometimes, though, when you do that, when you put it out there, it's easier to then heal and move on. Did you find oh, out? With,
1: right. You know, people ask me that it, it was a cathartic for me, and I always answer that I definitely had a degree of catharsis in order to write such a memoir because you just don't sit down and say, okay, I think I'm going to reveal it all. However, what did ensue as a result of it is that it brought so much more to me that again, as I to reiterate, as I mentioned before, I hadn't expected it to have happened. People were writing to me about their wounds, how they might have been abused sexually or physically, or they might have been hookers, or they were addicts, or or their mother and father they disliked them, and again, they were oftentimes strangers. So it really touched on a nerve. And for those of your listeners and yourself, if you're familiar at all with the Bible, it says if you save one person, you save the world. So i like to think that it really had an impact on
0: some of these people that I heard from. Yeah, I'm sure that's good because, you know, and it may have given them the courage to talk about their stories instead of holding it inside. Well,
1: that's exactly it. That was exactly what became such a revelation to me. I began to experience, I mean, I never saw myself as a therapist, nor am I, but I think the people felt comfortable to to shield their, their heart maybe to open it up.
0: You um. What did your th- you know when you wrote this book? Then what did your children think about the publication of your memoir?
1: Well, I would have never done it without their permission. That's number one. And I think that I don't know if they at first took me seriously, but obviously I did become serious about it. And I think that uh, probably they were like, oh my god, what is she doing? However, just like my own experience of getting over it. I think that they're quite proud because they have come to some. I I, uh, give presentations to various groups, and they have attended one or two or three to hear me speak. And in addition to which, because they have heard such good feedback once people read the story, that I really believe that they're proud. And I particularly like to take, when you're asking about my children, this point and I always love to tell the story about my grandchild. When the book came out, he was 10, and he came to my house and saw the book lying there, and he says, oh, look, Nana wrote a book. I, I want to read it. And his mother and father and my son said to him, absolutely not. And he said to them, but Ma, Daddy, you tell me I should do extra reading to improve my skills, and now you're telling me I can't read. So we've had some fun with it and, uh, you know, very dear to my heart.
0: Yeah, I, I noticed how you you had a beautiful cover. I like it. Did you design that, or did you have somebody design it for you? Well, thank you about the cover because I'm
1: most proud of it. And my husband, who is not an artist, actually designed it. He uh, he thought it through and and created it. And I just think it's just wonderful. In addition to which, when I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. When we Look I said at the it back is, of the it's book. It's very
0: unique, and it it really makes you feel the story. Thank you, and, and,
1: and I appreciate hearing that. And I he's gotten lots of compliments. And if you turn the back side of the book, there's a picture of me smiling, which I never equated with the, the differences as an adult and uh, somebody, you know, the, the front is a, a shattered childhood child person. However, you want to interpret it. So it it was. I think he did a superb job, and I'm I'm so pleased that he was
0: able to do it. That's great. Um, You uh, were CEO of a destination management company. Are you still doing that? um, Still doing conventions? Are you primarily just doing speaking and book signings these days? Or what? What's on the right I retired
1: I retired from that business which was the love of my life I loved every moment of it very very intense and detail oriented and I met, got to meet the whole world and I too am very grateful for having started the business created it and and had it be very successful but I did retire and that's when I really got serious about the book and wrote it and finished it and put it out there and uh so the last couple of years since it's out I've been going out doing book events and uh speaking about it and that's what I'm doing.
0: So um on your website wwwthehookersdaughter.com do you have information if they want to uh contact you to be a speaker or do a book signing or anything like that yes. on that website?
1: Yes on the website on the back pa- the last page I believe that there is a tab on the top of the website that says, you know, how to contact me. And uh it's definitely available and I also have on my website my upcoming engagements of where I'll be speaking and what I'll be doing or a book signing. So if any of your listeners choose to look at it and also there's reviews on there as well. So oh, that's they can have great. a sense. Yeah, there's all kinds of reviews.
0: So do you have another book in you that you plan to write in the future? Well, perhaps.
1: You know, perhaps. I'm kind of right now caught up with this, but I am thinking about something going forward and really reveling in the success of this experience and the opportunity that it has presented me. So I'm not rushing to do it at this point.
0: Well, we're almost to the end of our time, but is there something you would like to, any message you'd like to leave with our listeners? A lot of our listeners tune in, you know, at their own convenience. So, um, you know, what would you say to them if they've experienced trauma or different things in their life?
1: Well, I'd like to say that life circumstances can break us, and people do react differently to the hurt, and some are devastated while others grow because of it, and comparing that to a tree that doesn't fall over in a storm, that tree was strong before the storm, revealing its strength. And another tree may stand up in normal weather but breaks when a storm strikes. So I guess my my message is if one can gather the strength intrinsically and be strong, that they too can feel peace. And my other feeling is not to waste my time on on gossip and unmeaningful things. I'm grateful for what I have and appreciate everything. And it's the present that, is, that really counts and to be able to, to endure it. We can't go back and change things that we have no control over. And I realize that. And I think for your listeners, if they can think of their lives in that way, not to waste energy and the gossip or negative thoughts, or things that they can't control, and I hope that they can make peace with their past, so it does not ruin their present.
0: Yeah, that that is absolutely great great wisdom to them. Well, I wanted to thank you so much for being my guest today, Dale, and the information you shared was wonderful. I'm sure that you are changing many lives across the country. And um, for our listeners, we've been listening to Dale Stanton, and she is the author of the book, The Hooker's Daughter, and her website is www.thehookersdaughter.com, and her email is thehookersdaughter@gmail.com. at gmail.com. She's available to speak and do book signings, and she loves to, uh, she can do book signings over Skype, so be sure and go to her website and check it out. There's so much great stuff on it. And thank you again so much. And her books are available uh, at, uh, on Amazon.com and InfinityPublishing.com. And that's I-N-F-I-N-I-T-Y, Publishing.com. And also you can check out her website again, www.thehookersdaughter.com. She, you can also get ebook copies are available for Kindle, Nook, iBooks, Mashwords, and all other formats. So I want to thank you so much. Dale, and I wish you great success with, with everything that you're doing, and I well, hope to thank be you. one day when you're speaking and get a chance to see you in real life.
1: Well, I thank you so much for this invitation today to speak with you, and, and I hope your listeners uh, you know, can enjoy anything or glean something from what I've, I have had to say, and basically I just want to wish everybody good health and happiness, and
0: most thanks for this day. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Diva Strategies for Success. My name is Robbie Motter, and I am the host of the event. Uh, I'm also the NAFI Western and Mid-Atlantic Regional Coordinator. NAFI is the NAFI is the largest global network for women, so check us out at www.nafi.com. And tune in next week on Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific time. I'm going to have a a wonderful guest, uh, and we're going to be talking about living an extraordinary life. And I'm going to be interviewing a gentleman, and uh, his name is Robert White, and I think you'll enjoy what he has to share. Again, thank you for tuning in to diva strategies for success and join us again and go you can go in and listen to our recording today at any time at your leisure and you will enjoy everything that uh, my wonderful guest dale stanton had to share bye now see you next week